It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Yeah, all right. It's innate for us to compare, to contrast. It's probably more inane. Regardless, indulge this inane side of us for half an hour on this Wednesday afternoon. I am Jake, as always, from What If Football. Thank you very, very, very much for donating to our Patreon page. This is the Head to Head podcast doing something a little bit different today. Don Revy, Brian Clough, the managers. Let's get stuck straight in. course we continue to plow on on patreon five days a week where we will have a rotating band of podcasts on tuesdays and wednesdays combined 11 story of my season head to head as we are doing today and great games as well as of course mailbag and football manager stuff on thursdays what if weekly articles now every monday and friday as well and once a week every wednesday we'll be dropping into your plopping into your podcast feed there on the social sports social podcast network noise nostalgia podcast ranked and of course the barclays and another new podcast to come but that is for later on in the month maybe later on in the year who knows But for today, I said, we're doing something a little bit different, a little bit special today. We're comparing managers for the first time on the head-to-head football podcast that we do here. Don Revy, Brian Clough. I mean, if we're going to do a manager's manager's head-to-head, we could only start here, couldn't we really? I mean, it's up here with Ferguson and Wenger, but I mean, you can't compare those, I don't think, in my opinion, my Manchester United-centric opinion. Don Revy and Brian Clough definitely can, absolutely can. And also they have a fantastic spat on television. We'll be discussing all that and more in the next 30 or so minutes 
of course, on the Head to Head podcast. As always, we launch into the thing with our points system. And it's going to be completely off piece today, but who cares? Five points is what you get if you've won a World Cup. This is only managers, management honours. So Don Revy's FA Cup that won with Man City, sorry. You don't get a point for that, or four points, three points it would have been. Um, so five points for the World Cup or the European Cup stroke Champions League. Four points for the first division or a league title or the Continental International Cup competition, be it the European Championships, but let's be honest, doesn't apply here. Uh, three points is what you get today if you've won the FA Cup. Two points for a Europa League, but back in these boys' days, they would be the Fairs Cup or the UEFA Cup, of course. And a point for the League Cup or a Super Cup, and I don't ask me what the League Cup would have been called when these lads managed. It was probably called something like the Rumblers or something. I don't know. Went through that many uh, sponsorship changes. I've lost track. So let's start with Don Revy. Don Revy famously won the first division with Leeds United twice. So that gives him eight points last, of course, leaving Leeds on a high with that uh, league title in 74. He won an FA Cup as well in 1972, that is an extra three points. Won the League Cup as well in 1968, that is one point. And two Fairs Cups to boot, that is in 1968 and in 1971. So that gives Don Revy, well done, and total that we'll discuss in a minute, but that is four points for those two Europa Leagues, let's call them. Let's move on to Brian Clough. He won two league titles famously, one with Derby County in 1972, the other with Nottingham Forest in 1978 for a grand total like Revy of eight points from those. He saw Don Revy's one league cup and raised him four, <laughs> quite ridiculously. Two back-to-back as well, really, 78 and 79, um, 89 and 90. All with Forrest, of course, in um, in that long reign that he had over the club some 18 years. In 1979, he won the Super Cup with Nottingham Forest as well. That is an extra point, which of course means that he must have won the European Cup. And quite famously, of course, they did. Nottingham Forest, the European champions in 1979 and 1980, which is an extra 10 points, which brings our totals today... Don Revy has 16, Brian Clough has 23. And I think almost, if ITV News have this on their YouTube page, you can boil down both managerial careers to their YTV interview, calendar interview, whatever you want to call it. Um, Yorkshire TV is um, what it was called back in the day. Calendar is what it's called now. Um Clough, to an extent, um, quite prickly, unfulfilled potential, I think, despite, obviously, the trophy cabinet that he won. Um, he's got missed opportunities, huge missed opportunities. Leeds was obviously the biggest one, um, obviously immortalised in the Damned United. Um, you have the Willie, won't he, signed for England, um, and we'll get into it later. Don Revy signed for England, didn't quite work for him. Um, a bit of a missed opportunity there. Um, and Don Revy with England, how that ended may shape the perception of both men. Uh, but again, we'll get onto this much, much later on 
in the podcast. Um, and Clough really, had, he didn't really have the temperament for England. I don't think he would have. Um, I think he would have been one of these that didn't last quite too long because um, he was always getting sacked, reinstated, resigning, reinstated with certain clubs, um, Hartley Pools, Derby, um, as well with that one. Um, Revy's style with Leeds often gets maligned uh, the dirty leads tag because of their uh, the disciplinary record the likes of Billy Bremner Bobby Collins those types of uh, physical lads you may say in the uh, in the middle of the pitch which of course um, has uh, immortalised in the Damn United and of course brought up in the the uh, Yorkshire television interview which is really crazily hours after he's been sacked is dragged on regional television for this interview is quite crazy really um brian clough stated on one of his first meetings that he can throw all the medals in the bin because they've not won any of them fairly um the damn united in some cases might not be the greatest mark of reliability obviously it's you know done for story and film and obviously life isn't a film but I, I'm pretty sure, pretty confident that quote is um, spot on with that one, um, which just goes to show um, his prickly um, sort of persona. And I kind of understand where he's coming from in the, he's quite complimentary to Don Revy in the interview, at least obviously beforehand less. So um, he can't replace um, someone like Don Revy. It'd be like someone not, of the boot room replacing Bill Shankly around the same time would have been the same year, wouldn't it? He, he can't do that. He, you, it wouldn't have gone down well. I mean, look what happened to Graham Souness at Liverpool later on down the line. He was never going to be successful, I don't believe. It almost needed a buffer. Um, and he said he took the job because it was the best job in the land. And at the time it was, and it was only the best job in the land because of the work that Don Revy did over 13 years between... Uh, 1961 and 1974 but of course we will get into all of that and a little bit more when we look at how both lads did it first of course we'll look at the playing careers we'll go through all of their managerial jobs and at the end we'll hopefully have a verdict for you welcome back now i did say we're only discussing their managerial careers but we may as well launch into the playing side of things both Men, I think, were quite were quite similar um, people, quite similar, well, not similar management styles, definitely not, but I think they're quite similar. And that extends to their playing career as well. Both players, the forwards, both grew up in the northeast. Now, they played as forwards. I don't think they could be any different forward if you tried. Don Revy was what you'd probably call now a false nine, wasn't it? Wasn't he? Um, with Man City, helped them win the FA Cup with that strategy. Um, well, it would have been a bit later on, but that was, of course, influenced by the great Hungary team of the mid fifties. Brian Clough was more of a conventional centre forward, and his his goal return was absolutely phenomenal. Um, different though he did play most of his career all but three games uh, domestically in the top flight um, of course his career is cut short he tore his MCL and his ACL at the age of 29 when um, in a time where that sort of injury can't recover from um, and of players who've scored 200 plus goals in English leagues he's got the highest goals per game record 
Revy, though, you've got to say, had a richer playing career, won the cup with uh, with City. He played over 250 games in the top flight, 501 professional appearances, and both did find a way to play for England, um, albeit sparingly because it was a time in the 50s and 60s where England really had a ton of world-class um, forwards. And um, Don Revy made six appearances, scoring four goals. Clough played twice for England and uh, scored zero. But, of course, this is futile because we are discussing their management. If we were going to discuss the playing careers, of course, Revy would win. But um, forget all that. Forget all that. So let's start. 1961. Leeds were on the hunt for a new manager. They had won strictly nothing of note. They'd been promoted twice, won the second division twice, but I don't think that counts all too much, really. So Revy joins as a player manager. Um, he was tasked with taking an indebted club with attendances that were 7,000 out of Elland Road and taking them out of the second division. Around that time, rugby league was probably more the prevailing sport around the likes of Bradford, Leeds. Huddersfield is where Rugby League was born, but Huddersfield had probably the richer of the three histories when it came to football, so probably less so in Huddersfield, but Rugby League was more prevalent and probably was so for quite a while, obviously. Football dominates around these parts now, Um he did inherit the likes of Billy Bremner and Jack Charlton, two of the players, of course, that were synonymous with Don Revy's leads. His youth policy, though, he generated club legends. You've got your Eddie Grays, you've got your Norman Hunters, you've got your Peter Lorimers, and all three club legends today, of course, goes without saying. In 1962, Don Revy solely became the manager. And in a rare bit of investment... Leeds finally put their hands into their well-worn pockets and signed Bobby Collins and he was brought in immediately to be installed as captain and by 1964 Leeds had been promoted finally finally back to the big time um, and it is Bobby Collins really his physical nature that leads to this dirty Leeds tag I did mention Billy Bremner in there really there's a few others Johnny Giles maybe you may say that one about as well um, but still, Don Revy mentions that on the on the interview, his first few years at the club was solely about results, not about playing style. Obviously, the aim was to get out of the second division. You can't, especially in the mid, in the early to mid sixties, trying to play pretty football, try to be the most entertaining team in the land. It doesn't matter if you're in the second division; just get the results. Doesn't matter what style you play. Um, obviously, Dirty Leeds um, is a tag that that sticks. Um, and does get overhyped, I do think. Obviously, football was a bit more physical anyway. Um, it's pointless comparing it um, to different eras, isn't it? Um, but anyway, 1964-65, it didn't matter that they played dirty, quote-unquote. Um, they were achingly close to a double. See, nobody had done it apart from Tottenham in the 20th century. They were second only to Matt Busby's Manchester United, who had far more experience domestically and continentally, let's not forget, only on goal difference as well. And then they lost the cup final in the final few minutes to uh, to Bill Shankly's Liverpool in St. John in the 117th minute in extra time there at Wembley. They would sign other players, wouldn't just be devoted to youth policy. You get Alan Peacock coming in from Middlesbrough up front. You've got Johnny Giles coming in from Manchester United as well. Johnny Giles, one of the main components of the team, I would argue. And 
They did challenge again in 1966, but nothing like as in 65. And this is a facet that I think is true of quite a lot of teams, no matter what age, European commitments. Also, you've got Bobby Collins breaking his leg against Torino in the in the Fairs Cup there. But with that, it's almost a blessing in disguise because they look out on... Johnny Giles has just come in as a newcomer and they look out on Johnny Giles and Billy Bremner as a partnership in the middle of the park. So in a way, in a way, even though Bobby Collins was the captain and more experienced, but Johnny Giles and Billy Bremner are probably the one of the two of the huge figureheads of Leeds United even now. But Revy's leads fall short, but I think you can attribute it to a to a success really in the '66 Fairs Cup. They get to the semi-finals, knocked out by Rails Aragoffa. Let's not forget that's Leeds' first ever European season. So semi-finals, not too bad, not too bad. 1967, they get to the final, they go one step beyond there. Um, Dynamo Zagreb are the victors in that final. But in 1968, Leeds win the Fairs Cup, as it was then, um, against Frank Varos. And in 1968, it's scarcely believable now, 1968 was the first year that Leeds won anything. And that was the League Cup. Um, earlier on in March 1968, a Terry Cooper goal in a 1-0 win against Arsenal. August 68, they beat Frank Varos in the Fairs Cup. And weirdly enough, I don't know if you want to believe this or not, uh, I certainly didn't when I read it um, <laughs> yesterday when I was creating these notes. Don Revy apparently um, enlisted somebody um, to have a curse lifted on Elland Road earlier that year. Um, because he deemed it to be unlucky. Um, and wouldn't you know it, they won the first two trophies that same year. So it must have worked. It must have been the curse. Or Mick Jones was signed for a record £100,000 and he top scored. It might have just been that. Might have just been that. Um, and then a year later, um, the front line gets bolstered. And these are, this is really the first dent, really, that Leeds have probably ever ever spent in terms of uh, playing staff. Alan Clark, 165000 from Leicester, of course, will become synonymous with Leeds. He joins a championship-winning Leeds United, who's lost just two games, and this is a 42-game season, let's not forget. Coasted to a six-point win. Again, two points for a win. That's from Liverpool. Revy had set his sights on the treble, and to be fair to anybody, he'd got as close as anyone had yet. Um, but unfortunately, in 1970, the, they didn't win a single thing. Of course, they'd qualified for the European Cup. And to, to me, that's the only treble that matters. <laughs> and you've got Alan Clark and Mick Jones, £265,000 up front together, score 52 goals between them. But it is David Webb who scores the winner in the famous 1970 FA Cup final replay against Chelsea, uh, for Chelsea rather, and then... Leeds, to be fair, they do make a good fist of it in the European Cup, reaching the semi-finals. Um, 136,000 turn out at Hamden to watch Celtic um, make their second European Cup final, um, winning 3-1 on aggregate there. And that was almost the beginning of the end. But you've got Don Revy almost going to Birmingham ahead of the, the new season. I, I, don't, I don't know in what universe he would do that. Uh, maybe that's a wife. <laughs> But, I mean, why would you, for as good as Birmingham may have been or may not have been, it's Leeds United and they, they were on their way, well, they were already there, weren't they, let's be honest, uh, something absolutely huge, absolutely huge. 
But in terms of trophies, Revy probably ended up with just as much silver as he did gold before leaving in 1974. They captured the, the Fairs Cup again in 1971 on away goals in the final um, from Juventus. Um, and Juventus, sort of in post-John Charles days, there's another Legion United legend, um, sort of try to refind their place in uh, European football as well. Um, you've got... Alan Clark scoring the winning goal um, in Leeds' one and only FA Cup in 1972 against Arsenal in that one. Arsenal, of course, won the double the year prior. So a huge team in there that they beat. And the only year that Revy goes without a trophy after 1970 was in 1973. And even then, they wound up in two cup finals, like um, similar to 1970, really, when they got achingly close. Of course, the famous one is the... The FA Cup final that year, the Sunderland, the Ian Porterfield goal, um, probably the biggest FA Cup final shock in memory. In memory, um, then they were defeated by former European Cup champions in the Cup Winners Cup final. Um, that being AC Milan, one um, 0 um, Revy's final glory in the white of Leeds United was the league title, second league title in 1974. His successor, well, we'll get on to him in a minute, won't we? We all know who it was. So Revy leaves for probably the only job that he could possibly leave for in the British Isles for me, really. Um, I, he said, I said earlier that he was touted for the Birmingham job. I think that's just nonsense, isn't it? Um, he could only leave for the England job. Obviously, Chelsea wouldn't take him. They were bitter rivals. Arsenal probably wouldn't. I don't think that'd happen. Um, Man City wouldn't happen. Manchester United definitely wouldn't happen. Liverpool wouldn't happen. So the only job really that Don Revy, I think, could possibly go for, unless he takes a step down, is England. But he wasn't suited to it. He needed the day-to-day sort of vibe about club football and the FA weren't really in tune with him, with his methods. He wanted to make England a club team, sort of that sort of vibe. And in his first game, Euro 76 qualification, this is, they beat Czechoslovakia 3-0. And who goes on to win Euro 76? Of course it is Czechoslovakia. Unfortunately, in qualification around this time, only one spot's available. They fail to win Braslava and Lisbon in the final two games, and that is curtains. Um, Good night, Vienna, almost. Um, but not to worry, I think four teams in a European Championship not qualifying for that, I think that's kind of fair enough, almost. Um, so Revy continues, it's not like a make or break sort of thing that is only in its infancy. Um, but as a result, and of course not for qualifying for the 1974 World Cup, Revy's England are unseeded for qualification in 1978 and as a result are handed Italy in qualification. They lose 2-0 in Rome and this is where it's at the beginning of the end. Revy's almost looking for a way out of the England job. He's criticised for playing Trevor Brooking out of position, for playing a back four that have never played together before, of course, lose 2-0. He does um, eventually wangle his way out. He misses his friendly against Brazil to um, scout the Italians apparently for the reverse fixture but instead was busy negotiating the contract for his job in the United Arab Emirates as such banned for banned for 10 years by the FA um, in in the Middle East his team wouldn't amount to much on the pitch but you can almost certainly credit him with laying the foundations for their qualification for Italia 90 um, obviously with the 
given how it ended in England, I don't think Revy's looked back upon as fondly as he ought to be, really. And in the golden era of football in the 60s, Don Revy, I think, stands up to a, a Nicholson, a Shankly, a Busby, those types of managers. Obviously, missing a few out there, but those are the main ones. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But because of how it how it ended and how his career obviously ends with the with the jobs in the Middle East, obviously paid handsomely, you must assume. Um, obviously, the ten year ban, the, how he's looked upon in England, not as forgiving as they would be now. I don't think um, to that sort of thing. I don't think he's looked back upon anyway with anywhere near as much fondness as our next man, Brian Clough, another man, of course, famously didn't have much time for the FA. But, of course, how do you recover from a torn MCL, a torn ACL at the age of 29 and a retire, a retirement? You, of course, jump right into management. Age 30, he joins Hartlepool's, the youngest manager in the football league there. And Hartlepool's pretty much what they are now. <laughs> some things stay the same, some things change. Um, the team that were always a straggling Division 4 side, always having to apply for re-election. These, these weren't the days of relegation. These were the days of, if you were in the bottom two, three or four, you'd have to apply for re-election. Usually you'd get it because of the teams sort of in, in non-league. It was a really weird sort of system to do it. I'm so glad it's changed. Um, immediately, Brian Clough gets Peter Taylor on board. He drives the coach for away games. Uh, this is Brian Clough, not Peter Taylor. Um, that's how cash-strapped Hartlepools were. Um, and they get sacked in 1966. Um, he sacks Taylor, saying that the club can't afford him. So then Brian Clough offers to walk. The chairman sacks him as well. Um, which leads to a boardroom coup, um, which sacks the chairman and Clough and Taylor are brought in. So from an early standpoint, you can think of how Brian Clough got this mindset of they could take on a chairman because they've taken on the Hartlepool's chairman. They've won, essentially. <laughs> and uh, they move on, they move on to bigger and better things. They've got John McGovern, a very young John McGovern on the books who'd follow him pretty much everywhere. And um, Clough would turn them from... 23rd, 24th place teams incessantly to finishing eighth, um, a superb return. And um, they quickly got a job at second tier Derby. And as a result from the foundations laid by Clough and Taylor, Hartlepools would play third tier football. Derby though, they were relatively, relatively successful either side of the war. They got um, two second places in the first division and a 1946 FA Cup. They won it then, um, but they'd been relegated in 1953. Clough brought them back 
to the top flight thanks to likes of John O'Hare, Roy McFarlane, both signed, of course, joining uh, John McGovern there. Um, they, both Revy and Clough had an overhauling job to do when they joined their, I'd say their first big clubs, which is what Derby was. I mean, no offence to Hartlepool's. It was almost like a sandbox for Clough and Taylor. For Derby, though, this is a, a much bigger club. And the overhaul was far more robust in its manner. For laughing after a defeat, Clough sacked a secretary, groundskeeper, tea ladies and the chief scout. Um, apparently he didn't need the scout. Um, he signed Dave Mackay, quite an older player uh, from Scotland. Um, and then they get promoted in 1969. So finally, Don Don Revy and Brian Clough are in the same league at the same time. Of course, that's where they're, if there ever was a relationship, just dissolves into oblivion. They only finish four points apart. Um, Derby finishing fourth, but they're barred from Europe for financial irregularities, which kind of infers the uh, the manner of the overhaul that uh, Brian Clough set about at at Derby there. Um, Don Revy's organic overhaul of bringing youth up and putting in a system in place to Brian Clough's more manufactured one. But as... Leeds finish a point back, point in a place behind in 1971. Derby fall back to ninth. You get Colin Todd signed, which is really the catalyst for Derby. £175,000 British record beating there. It would might have been Alan Clark's um, signing for, for Leeds in 1969 that it topples there. And only then really did Clough and Derby join a title race that includes uh, Don Revy at Leeds, uh, Bill Shankly at Liverpool. So they finish up the season, the 71-72 season. They finish top, but the season isn't over. They've not won the league yet. Um, quite famously depicted in the Damned United, really, I think. Um, Leeds and Liverpool both needed a win um, later on in the week to go top. Um, so Peter Taylor takes players on holiday. Brian Clough takes his family on holiday. Um, and they just stew over the next few days, waiting for the results to pour in, of course. Leeds lose. Liverpool draw, so it means that Derby are champions for the very, very first time and an absolute huge undertaking. I think it's very similar to how both men achieved their first league title. Obviously coming up against teams that are a bit more established, Manchester United and Liverpool in Don Revy's case, Leeds, of course, a bit further down the line, and Liverpool in, in Brian Clough's case. But it almost felt like the beginning of the end almost immediately. Brian Clough refuses to go on a pre-season tour because the families weren't allowed to go. Um, that was to West Germany and the Netherlands. He refused to play the charity shield as well. So it's not looked not looked back upon in great fondness, even in the early 70s. Um, he goes then to break the Derby transfer record and does so. David Nish comes in from Leicester for a club record, £225,000. Doesn't tell the board. Um, and this is where... I think he's going back to his Hartlepool days where he thinks, right, I'm going to take on the board here. See what, see what they, I've just brought this club the biggest success. Let's see what they can do to me. Obviously, you've got Spats in the press. He writes a weekly column, which the Derby board aren't really, aren't really uh, grateful for. He's creating feuds with Matt Busby, Don Revy, and Revy's players as well. Pretty much all the leads lot, really. Um, creating a bit of a... A relationship there a bit um fighting with his board um he'd resigned actually two weeks before he won the title um but the board offered both he and taylor more money they take it of course and uh in october 1973 the chairman attempts to sack them but he couldn't of course he'd built up such a 
such a mystique, such a such a reputation around the the entire city, not just the football club. That you can't just sack them. Then of course, four days later, they resigned. And this is because they got to the final four of the European Cup. This is Derby County in the final four of the European Cup against Juventus. And there's some there's some um, allegations that referee may not have been the fairest. Um, you can take that back to Inter Milan and Liverpool in 1965 as well for similar sort of allegations around that one. And that's obviously the best um, derby we've done in the European Cup or any European competition, really. And um, such as a mark of his popularity and reputation, Clough would go to Brighton, all of his staff would follow. They finished 90, this had taken a drop from the top of the top of almost European football right down to Division 3. They finished 19th, um, that's one season, then they go back up to Leeds, crucially, crucially without Peter Taylor. Obviously, this is, as mentioned earlier, Leeds side who just lost their Messiah, their God, someone who essentially created them, really, when Leeds had won nothing before Revy took them from obscurity back to, um, well, not back because they did not ever been there, but um, to the top of the pile. And now replacing him was almost if they have an enemy. Enemy, that's his Don Revy's enemy, and his polar opposite was Brian Clough. A ridiculous. He, like I said, he needed a buffer. He needed some players to change over. Needed a bit of a transition on the playing staff for Brian Clough to make a proper good go of it at Leeds. I think um, it was never going to work. Obviously, it lasts forty-four days, um, and shockingly, like I said earlier, the the calendar interview or the YTV interview comes the same night he's sacked. Imagine that. Imagine you lose your job and then you're like, oh, we're going to bring you in for a 30 minute interview about where it all went wrong and here's your mortal enemy sat next to you. <laughs> Ridiculous. He's a fantastic watch. Absolutely um, encapsulating TV, really. And um, maybe, I don't, I, crucially, I said crucially, Taylor didn't come with him. I don't think even if Taylor went, he would have been, he would have. Uh, he would have uh, survived all that long, of course. Um, he leaves Leeds 19th in the, the in the first division. His next job, crucially, Peter Taylor comes to Forest. We've not at first, though. Uh, Forest were a second division team, a bit like Derby, and obviously in the same neck of the woods there or thereabouts. Um, they had two FA Cups to their name. He brings in John McGovern, John O'Hare from Leeds, of course, who had signed from Derby. And uh, the likes of... To be fair, this... The, as I said, it was a bit more of a robust overhaul at Derby. The overhaul that he does at Forest is a bit more organic, really, when you've got the likes of John Roberts and Viv Anderson and Martin O'Neill already there. They're brought from the brink of almost leaving to first-team stalwarts European Cup champions. And technically, Clough t- takes them backwards, 13th to 16th on the pitch, I guess. Um, but is definitely changing things in the background. You've got Frank Clark signed on a free. They finished eighth in 1976. And then, of course, um, Phil Taylor comes in. Uh, Phil Taylor, not the darts player. Peter Taylor comes in. And uh, Tony Woodcock is brought back into the fold, turns him into a international footballer. Gary Bertels as well, taken from non-league to international footballer, turned Peter Wiv over for five times what they bought him for, and then 1977 promotion comes. And Kenny Burns as well, he is, I think is another good example of whether it's Brian Clough or Peter Taylor's ability to transform a player. Um, a centre-forward that, that I, think it was, I think it was Taylor who followed um, to see if uh, 
the perception that he was an alcoholic and a very keen gambler um, was true. And apparently they, did, they deduced that he wasn't. Um, they turned him from a centre forward to a centre half. He won the Football Writers Player of the Year in 1978. Obviously signings, they did have to make signings to make the next level to um, when they're in the top flight. You've got Peter Shilton, Archie Gemmell, two names that I think are now synonymous with Nottingham Forest. Um, Gemmell, of course, Clough had in... Derby, at Derby when they won the league title there. The last game that Forrest win in the 70, the last game that they lose in the 77-78 season was at Leeds and they win the league by a mammoth seven points. Again, still two points for a win here from Bob Paisley's Liverpool European champions at the time would win the champions, the European Cup again. And they would beat them in the League Cup, a trophy that Liverpool quite liked the look of as well. They would win it quite often. And um, Forest would as well. They'd play in three successive finals. They won two of them. Um, they have one coming against Southampton, lost the other um, against Wolves in 1980, thanks to Andy Gray. Um, probably the most famous result, or probably the result that is the turning point, I think the huge, the big, probably the biggest result in potentially Clough's career as a manager is the... Neither of the European Cup wins, but I think this change this changes the entire thing. They beat Liverpool in the first round of the 78-79 season. Liverpool's holders qualify. Forest's champions of England qualify as well. They meet in the first round and winning against Liverpool in the first round that ruled Europe for so long, threatened to do what Ajax and Bayern Munich did earlier on in the 70s. It's never going to happen on Clough's watch, apparently, and... Of course, another catalyst was uh, Trevor Francis signed for £1 million, the first million-pound player in England. Played his first European game in the final against Malmo. And of course, Stoops with that little low header and uh, Forrest win the European Cup for the first time. And then the year later, they become the only team ever to win more European Cups than they have leagues um, when they beat Hamburg in the 1980 final. And that was Clough's last final for nine years the big hole in his CV was the FA Cup. Like Don Revy's big hole in his CV was the European Cup. Revy, Revy never had a chance at winning the European Cup final. Of course, never got to a final of the European Cup. Clough got to the 1991 FA Cup final. Finished on four League Cups, of course, for Forrest. Um, he could, it, sh- it shows that with all those finals, it shows that he could rebuild a team winning the League Cup in 89 and 90. It shows that it could be rebuild a team, but it was never the same without Peter Taylor. I don't think both Peter Taylor and Brian Clough were quick to admit that Forrest sold up and attempted to rebuild the squad far too quickly after the European Cup wins, sort of cashing in almost. And the the, the second stab at it was nowhere near good enough, which goes to show how how difficult it is to rebuild a football team. And this, of course, leads to Peter Taylor's booklet was published in 1980 behind Brian Clough's back. His retirement, quote-unquote, in 1982, but he would go to Derby County, taking John Robertson from under Brian Clough's nose. Um, that left a bad taste in the mouth between the two. Never spoke again. Wouldn't be resolved uh, before Taylor's passing in 1990. But Brian Clough did attend the funeral, has paid homage to him numerous times. He has been described as the mastermind behind it, behind Brian Clough, really. But I think Taylor was just as culpable for Forrest's failures in the early 80s before he left. Um, Clough brought them back up 
to what the within what they used to be without without him. And I think Colin Taylor, mastermind, does clough a bit of a disservice. It's quite romantic and quite easy, I think, to just go down that narrative where Brian Clough's the sort of figurehead, but it's actually, you know, Peter Taylor doing the whole thing. I think Clough did have a huge influence, obviously, on the uh, the entire thing. Of course, Peter Taylor had a role to play. And I think quite a lot of it, the perceived alcoholism of Brian Clough towards the end allegedly have has the better of him by the early 90s. They lose that FA Cup final in 1991 to Spurs. And of course, the huge elephant in the room here is the England job. He was interviewed for the England job twice. Um, first in 1977, when uh, Ron Greenwood left. And then in 1982, um, Sir Bobby Robson wished to give Clough the job in 1983 when they failed to qualify from the European Championships in uh, losing to Denmark. And in 1988, when they had a disastrous Euros in West Germany, but the FA reject both of those um, both of those wishes. Clough said it was probably the right thing to do um, because he would have wanted full control. The FA were never going to cede full control to him, and I think he probably learned from Don Revy's fall from grace for that one. Eighty-eight was nowhere near the time for him to take it. I think eighty-two or eighty-three. I think um, that was probably that was the sweet spot. I think for Clough to to leave a failing Nottingham Forest when Peter Taylor's already left, you bring you could leave and go to England. I think that was the right time. If I was going to do a what if, for example, that's exactly when I'd say it. Coming soon, maybe who knows? Anyway, we've got a verdict to deliver, and after this short break, we will deliver it. Welcome back. Both Don Revy and Brian Clough have. Big holes in their trophy cabinet with uh, only one trophy missing, really. For Don Revy, it's the European Cup. For Brian Clough, it's the FA Cup. Of course, the European Cups for Brian Clough do sway the the points tally that we mocked up at the start. Without those European Cups, Don Revy wins 16-15. to 15. Of course, those are all if, ifs, buts and maybes. The thing that has often held Don Revy back from being regarded as one of the better managers in English football history is the style of play. For me personally, I don't care um, about the way a team plays. Of course, if you play well and win stuff, absolutely fantastic. Very few teams can do that. Very, very few teams can do that. Um, you often get grinding out of results. Obviously, the disciplinary record speaks for itself. Um, in terms of successful I think they absolutely were and I think without Don Revy of course I don't think Leeds have anywhere near or any success at all really they are he took them from nowhere quite literally the second division in debt probably if you if you had to pick a way they were going it was probably down rather than up they'd not won a trophy before they'd be a and no offence They'd probably be like a Crystal Palace or something like right now, or a Reading, something like that right now without Don Revy. Similarly for Brian Clough, you've got Derby and Nottingham Forest teams with three FA Cups between them before he joined afterwards. Of course, Forest two European Cups, a league, Derby two leagues. Um, 
the transformation that both men had, and obviously there's ways to do it. I think Clough was a bit robust at Derby, quite <laughs> the opposite of Spendthrift, <laughs> rather than uh, Revy had to be at Leeds, and uh, had, because of that goes to the goes to the uh, the youth setup quite with quite regularity there. Forrest, though, I think for Clough, a bit more organic, tries to mould a few players like a Kenny Burns, brings players in on freeze, Frank Clark, brings players out from the cold. You've got uh, Martin O'Neill for one, Viv Anderson, we, we mentioned him. Of course, there's always signings there, like there was for Don Revy, let's not forget as well. So for every, for every Alan Clark and Mick Jones, you do have a Peter Schilt and a Trevor Francis, of course, with the passing of time, um... Fees go up, don't they? That's just the way it is, of course. And I think the England job, I don't think that matters too much because Revy getting it in Clough doesn't. We don't know how Clough would have done. I would probably think, he's obviously the quote is he's the greatest manager England never had. I disagree. Um, I don't think, I think it would have gone the same way as Revy. They may have qualified for tournaments because they had a better team. It's not on Revy at all. It's probably the players that came out of the 70s, 80s. Clough would have had a better team at his disposal. Disposal at 83 would have probably qualified for the World Cup in 86, the Euros in 88, but I don't think he would have done anything of note. I don't think he would have lasted too long, for example. But I think it comes down to what we started with. The, the, the shaped holes... Don Revy's missing a European Cup, Brian Clough's missing an FA Cup, and because of that, I think you have to say that Brian Clough wins today. And even with those European Cups, I still feel that Clough underachieves and still comes out on our points, as flawed as our points system is. Things won is perhaps his impact in the game, turned over two clubs into huge clubs that we think now. Um, Quick turnaround, Don Revy's was more slow burn approach wasn't it so they both have their positives and negatives really and I would say that without these men either we, we I don't think we consider Leeds Forest or Derby big clubs we tend to think we have an ideal of what a big club is and now we fondly look back on the 60s 70s for the likes of a Leeds Forest Derby and a little bit further along Ipswich in the 80s um, Villa as well um, for the European honours without Revy without Clough we don't have Leeds Forest and Derby as big clubs I don't think and um, recommended watching go watch the Damn United go watch the Don Revy versus Brian Clough interview on uh, on YTV on, on what is now ITV um, fantastic fantastic watchers both of those I'll have to go back and watch the Damn United after this I think um, but that is all we've got time for today. We'll be back next week with something a little bit different. Episode 25, the premiere of a new podcast, and that is the Combined 11, where we'll be taking two teams and doing what every clickbait media, sports media outlet does, combines two for clickbait purposes. We're going to try to do it a bit more scientifically, hopefully. We'll, uh, we'll see how we get on. It may be a short-lived podcast. But, as always, thank you very much for listening, for donating, for supporting the channels that we have here under our What If umbrella. We'll be back with something completely different tomorrow. Thank you very much. See you
Social Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.